morning. We're going to continue this morning in our study of characters of the Bible. And uh, we took a couple of weeks off, very refreshing couple of weeks on the Lord Jesus and the goodness of God. Where did we leave off in our study of characters? Someone bring us up to date here. Okay, we talked about Hannah, but then we finished with Eli. So we'd like to turn to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we will look at the childhood, take some lessons from the childhood of Samuel, some very rich lessons for us this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3. What was the condition of Israel? Where had we left Israel when we uh, finished with Eli? Was it a condition of prosperity, of uh, devotion to the Lord, of um, spiritual growth? No, it wasn't. Uh, The spiritual life of Israel was in shambles. And uh, that's how our passage opens. Uh, That's the background of our passage this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3, begin reading with verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. The the word of God was rare. That means that there wasn't a prophetic word, a fresh word for the nation of Israel. Things had gotten very stale spiritually. Uh, The people had uh, drifted away from the Lord. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said, To Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. The tingle there is um, the news of uh, judgment. God's judgment against Israel would bring such astonishment and terror to the people. Just the news alone that their ears would tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile 
and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. You think he slept? doesn't say that. And opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Three lessons we hope to take from the childhood of Samuel. First, that the Lord preserves his testimony in times of darkness. The Lord preserves his testimony. Second, the Lord sustains his life in hostile environments. And third, the Lord tests his servant. So let's look at the, um, let's look at the word here for the Lord preserving his testimony in times of darkness. Very beautiful, uh, picture. It's, um, it's not literal, but a very beautiful picture here in, uh, verse two. And it came to pass at that time, verse three, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, verse four, that the Lord called Samuel. The lamp of God in the tabernacle. What was the purpose of the lamp in the tabernacle? It was simply to give light. And this uh, lamp was uh, provided for. The Lord had prescribed the um, provision for the lamp in Exodus 27 and verses 20 and 21. He commanded uh, Moses, he said, you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting, outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. So here's, um, uh, here's a, a lamp um, fashioned from gold, and it contains pure pressed olive oil, and there's a wick on it and uh, a flame on the wick, and it burns in the tabernacle of testimony to give light. Now, that light was uh, allowed to go out at sunrise. The Lord said, I want it to burn uh, from evening until morning. And so, in a, in a literal way, in a natural way, this lamp was to go out in verse 3. That's fine. But there's a beautiful and somewhat tragic uh, picture here of the lamp of testimony going out in the nation of Israel. Things had, had degenerated. Things had gone so far downhill that the Lord's testimony was in danger of being snuffed out. Gone. In fact, uh, in, uh, we studied in the uh, life of Eli, jumping a little bit ahead, but, um, the glory of God would depart from not just the tabernacle, but from the nation of Israel, his chosen people. Very sad that, um, that this lamp would go out, the lamp of witness, the lamp of testimony. But so encouraging that as 
uh, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, the Lord called Samuel. There's a, um, there's a hope. There's a ray of light here. The um, condition of Israel again was, uh, was very bad. The sons of Eli didn't know the Lord. They despised the Lord's offering. They, uh, they took for themselves what belonged to the Lord. They, they had no, no conscience, no care about, um, about what the Lord had commanded. And it says um, that they lay with the women who assembled in the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Things had reached a, a very, very low point. We may wonder why the Lord doesn't just scrape the nation of Israel and humanity off the face of the planet at that point. And yet, in his untiring grace and mercy, he would raise up a prophet for himself to lead the people, to guide them, to bring them back to himself. The lamp of Israel was going out, but before that light was extinguished, he would call Samuel to his service. Throughout the generations, throughout (coughs) lifetimes, centuries, throughout dispensations, the lamp of God's testimony threatens to snuff out. It goes out. It seems to go out. But God will not permit it. God preserves a remnant, a testimony, a witness of His goodness and grace. There's um, a book uh, by E.H. Broadbent, uh, The Pilgrim Church, that gives stories of how the Lord has preserved this testimony through the last 2,000 years. I uh, hardly recommend it to you for your study. The Lord did not leave us without witness. He didn't forsake us who were gathered here. He didn't leave us in our sin. The Lord had mercy on us. And the Lord had mercy on Israel. It, it kind of answers the prayer that Habakkuk prayed uh, in, in later years. He said, Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. In your wrath, remember mercy. And the Lord did just that as uh, Israel sank so low, so deep, to seem to be beyond recovery. The Lord called Samuel. So, we see that um, the Lord preserves His testimony. The Lord keeps His remnant to witness for Him. The second lesson that we'd like to take away from uh, Samuel's life is that the Lord sustains life in very hostile, very unlikely, uninhabitable, barren environments. Samuel's Surroundings were not conducive to spiritual growth. Isaac Watts wrote the words, Is this vile world a friend to grace, to help me on to God? To which we answer emphatically, no way. Yet the Lord was able to maintain this little life, this, um, this little ray of hope within such a a dark environment. He not only maintained this life, he caused it to flourish. I'd like us to 
turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Stay, keep a finger here in 1 Samuel 3, but turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. In my version, the he, he shall grow up, uh, is capitalized, capital H. Of whom does this verse speak? Jesus, the Lord Jesus. He, that is the Lord Jesus, shall grow up before him, another capital H. Who? God the Father as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. Imagine, if you will, a, uh, a moon-like surface, void of any moisture, void of any nutrients, and... Uh, you focus down onto the moon-like surface and behold, there's a little plant, a tender little shoot that sprouted out between the rocks and it's uh, doing quite well, thank you. No dependence on its environment. It's, uh, it sprung out of a dry ground, out of barren soil. This speaks of the Lord Jesus and the harshness of the environment into which he was born. The ground is hard, dry, barren. There was nothing to encourage the Lord Jesus or to support his growth. None could point to any devotion or love or godliness or obedience on the part of Israel and say, well, that's why the Lord Jesus prospered, because the environment was so rich. No. He would grow up before the Father as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. What a surprise to find this, uh, this flourishing little plant growing right in the midst of, um, of dreariness and dryness. The Lord Jesus' growth was not dependent on his environment or on his circumstances. Uh, I don't know if the Bellis is going to remember this, but uh, we were walking through uh, the, wild, the wilderness uh, between San Lorenzo and the bay, and uh, Dave remembers. It was... Um, uh, parched, uh, typical summer uh, in uh, in San Lorenzo, and uh, the ground was dry. Uh, in that area, there were scrub brushes, hardly anything to uh, uh, to imagine being green at any time of their lives. But uh, as we stumbled through this dry and dusty area, we were just um, uh, walking. We happened upon this. Uh, of green, lush uh, bush uh, loaded with uh, red cherry tomatoes. And uh, it was amazing. It was surprising. Uh, where'd this come from? Who's tending this garden? We were probably the first ones there in months. Uh, but the, the uh, tomatoes were sure sweet <laughs> and juicy. Uh, here was a plant growing out of dry ground. Where was it getting its nutrition, its sustenance? Where was it getting its water? Uh, it was a, a picture of, of the Lord Jesus, certainly, as, 
as he um, as he flourished in um, in his father's delight. The Lord Jesus thrived, but not from this world, not from what this world offered. He found his food and drink in obeying his father. And it's a, a wonderful picture of, of the Lord Jesus uh, in his obedience. Samuel, in this way, makes me think of Jesus. Samuel's environment was very harsh. It was, uh, there was nothing around him to draw encouragement and nourishment from. His closest, uh, closest associates were Hophni and Phineas. Imagine uh, having those as your workmates, as your closest uh, associates. Although they were priests to represent the Most High God to Israel, they were corrupt. They were carnal. They had no thoughts of the Lord. Thoughts only of themselves. Imagine waking each new day to the sight of Hophni and Phineas, or of um, their father Eli, their indulgent father. And yet, Samuel grew. And uh, back in Samuel now, First Samuel chapter 2. And verse uh, 17, Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord, but Samuel ministered before the Lord. I love the buts of of Scripture, but uh, in the midst of all this um, godlessness, this, um, this selfishness, Samuel ministered before the Lord. It says in verse 21, um, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Each of us has reasons in our past or present to stagnate in our relationship with the Lord. We have uh, physical, intellectual, health, Limitations. Someone, some preacher years ago talked about um, a young fellow who, uh, who was bitter because um, he'd been buttoned up wrong. And what he meant was um, uh, somebody had, uh, had quieted him, had, um, what's a polite way of saying it, had just uh, told him to be quiet, but they did it harshly. And so this fellow was uh, carrying this around, this bitterness, for years and years. It affected his adult life and uh, affected his, um, his service for the Lord, his uh, availability uh, for the Lord. And he carried this bitterness, this grudge around with him for his lifetime. And the point is that we can look and we can find things in our environment to use as excuses for not growing in the Lord, for not serving the Lord. 
Our, our environment is imperfect, it's unholy, it's dirty. And this was certainly true of Samuel's environment. But Samuel's growth was independent of his circumstances. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 tells us uh, the boy Samuel, describes him as the boy. And verse 8 um, refers again, uh, the Lord had called the boy. How old was Samuel? Some suggest uh, perhaps as young as six years old at this point. That seems mighty young. But um, the fact is that he wasn't too far from the little robe of uh, chapter 2, verse 19 that his mother used to make for him. So we're talking about a youth. We're talking about a young, uh, young fellow, a boy. And I'd like to address uh, a few questions to the young people who are gathered here this morning. Starting with, um, with our youngest, the youngest possible, that, um, youngest age that Samuel was. And uh, we have um, some seven-year-olds. Joshua, Caleb, Annabelle. And um, I want you to think very carefully about this question because it's a, a very real question. And uh, understand that we would not want this of a, a, a seven-year-old, but if you had to live away from your parents for a while, you had to be away from them for a long time, is it possible that the Lord could raise you up as a sweet, obedient, godly young man or woman? Is that uh, within the Lord's ability? Joshua? Is that possible that the Lord would do that? <laughs> Could the Lord raise you up without your parents if that, if that ever happened? I don't know. I don't hope it would ever would, would happen, but could the Lord do that? Raise you up as a strong man or woman for the Lord? Yes. Yes, he could. He did Samuel. Where's Caleb? Okay. Abigail. Molly, are you here? Abby, you're representing the eight-year-olds. Abby, are there important jobs here for an eight-year-old at Calvary Bible Chapel that you could do for the Lord? Yes? Good. Okay. Are there ways that you could help out here at the at the chapel? Help out uh, those of us who are very old or very young? Good. Yes, that's very practical. We see in the life of Samuel in uh, in verse fifteen, three fifteen, that um, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was just a little uh, sprout. He was just a little, a little fellow. And uh, it was his duty to open the doors. Every morning they had to be opened, the uh, doors to the tabernacle of the Lord. And uh, Abby, he opened those doors every morning faithfully. A very important job committed to Samuel. Lily. 
Christina. Christine. Is it possible for the Lord to call Lily, Lily, and expect you to follow him for your lifetime and give up uh, your own desires, your own plans? Is that possible? Is that reasonable for the Lord to do? It was for Samuel. He called Samuel. Albert. Daniel. If a friend's mom or dad asked you to do something the Lord had already told you not to do, would it be within the power of a 12-year-old to say no to a grown-up? If the Lord said no and the grown-up says do it, you have that ability to say no. Very good. Very good. 14-year-olds. Stefina. Not here. TJ. David. Is David here? Okay. Good for you, David. <laughs> TJ. TJ, is the Lord able to communicate his desires so clearly and so forcefully to 14-year-olds today that a 14-year-old can go into his world and communicate those desires clearly and forcefully to other 14-year-olds. Yes. Yes, it seems that Samuel did so himself. God's word was very clear and forceful to Samuel. Nick. For a 16-year-old, the Lord wrote this for believers in general, but uh, for a 16-year-old especially, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be, you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. This, um, this nonconformity, um, is it for young people today or was it just for uh, Bill McDonald's generation and, and before? Was that for you, uh, for, for 16-year-olds? Yeah, absolutely. It was a challenge. The Lord issued such a challenge to uh, Samuel. He was 16. Nate. Where are you? Rose. Marianne. 17-year-olds. If the Lord... And? Hannah. We're, uh, I'm sorry, Hannah. 17. If your employer threatened to fire you, if you did not do a thing that you knew was illegal, unethical, or indecent, would you feel that you had the authority to tell him or her whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God? Would you have that authority? Samuel did. We're going to 
see that uh, that he was willing to to take a stand against uh, against uh, authority that exalted itself against the authority of God. It was not easier for Samuel in his day than it is for us in our day. It was as difficult for Samuel as for us today. Do not bend to the winds of public opinion and fashion. Samuel did not. Do not bow to society's demand to respect gay, lesbian, transgender lifestyles as something that is normal when God has already condemned it as perverse. Do not succumb to the spiritual chill of your environment. You know, any old thermometer can tell the temperature, but we're not called to be thermometers. We're not called to display the spiritual temperature of our world or our friends. We're called to to be a thermostat and to set that temperature. There's a thermostat out here in the hallway that's been uh, working uh, on and off this morning, setting the temperature high or low. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. We adults feel that we have environmental reasons enough to quit following the Lord because the going gets tough. But you have heard from the mouths of our own young people that it is reasonable to commit one's life to the Lord, to serve Him and to love Him. The Lord is able to sustain life and to give healthy spiritual life in the midst of the harshest environments. This is the most important lesson that we can learn from the childhood of Samuel. But wait, there's another. God tests His servants. God is able to maintain His testimony in times of darkness. He's able to sustain life in the harshest environment. But also God tests His servants. In uh, chapter 3, this test begins with uh, verse... 11, <clears throat> the Lord had, had uh, gotten Samuel's attention by now, and uh, very precious, I forgot to point it out earlier, that in verse 10, the Lord came and stood and called Samuel. The Lord uh, came, He was there, He was present, a theophany, um, the Lord Jesus, uh, there calling Samuel, Samuel had a very important message for Samuel. And that message was um, uh, starting at verse 11 and going down to verse uh, 14, the, um, the terrible judgment against Eli. This was a heavy load for a youngster because uh, it was a very arduous judgment. Uh, but uh, Eli had sinned very grievously against the Lord and he was unrepentant. His sons uh, should have been removed from office and Eli refused to, to do that. And so now um, very real judgment was being uh, meted out against Eli.
beginning at verse 14, And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Samuel was afraid. What would you have done as a, as a youngster with this terrible knowledge that this uh, authority in your life was, um, was a fraud? That God was going to, uh, to answer his wickedness with, uh, with death? How would you have responded? How, have you, how would you have um, reacted to, to this revelation? Uh, Eli knew the uh, judgment that was due him. But he says in verse um, 17, he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide from me of all the things that he said to you. Eli adjured Samuel to tell him the word that the Lord had spoke. Adjured is... Um, he put him under a curse. He, he, he said, uh, uh, Samuel, if you don't tell me, I want the judgment to be worse on you. <laughs> not, uh, not a very fatherly uh, expression for, uh, for Eli. Samuel was afraid. The Lord had revealed to Eli who uh, Eli really was. He uh, revealed to Samuel as well who Eli really was. Now Samuel must confront Eli. He must expose Eli for who he was. He must come face to face with the sin of Eli and the judgment of that sin. How would you have felt in, uh, in being uh, required, being um, forced to uh, to tell what the Lord had said. He was forced to take a stand against a man who was effectively his, his father, his spiritual father, a man who was responsible for the priesthood in Israel, a man who was the leader, the spiritual leader of the nation. Little Samuel. It, uh, it reminds me a little bit, and I shouldn't jump ahead, of um, David and Goliath. The Lord's word always supersedes the authority of man's word. Man's word comes from authorities like teachers, policemen, employers, state and federal legislators, and even the president of our country. The Lord's word has priority. The Lord's word is Authoritative. It is true. It is not relative. It, um, if an authority tells you to do different from what the Lord says, then we do what the Lord says. The Lord calls us to stand. He calls us to take a stand for Him, to do difficult things beyond our feelings. Uh, Samuel may have been gripped with fear. How do I get out of this? Just tell Eli something uh, uh, to, to get him off my case. But uh, Samuel stood firm and he told Eli 
what the Lord thought of him, of his sin and of uh, his judgment. Our, the authority of God's word transcends even our family ties. Samuel told Eli everything. It says in uh, verse 18, he passed the test. Eli's response is, um, seems characteristically indifferent. He, um, he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. No, no repentance on Eli's part. No uh, agreement. Yeah, you're right. I've done, I've done what's wrong and uh, I better make things right with the Lord now. No, it was, uh, it was too late, it seemed, for Eli. There are two purposes for the Lord's testing that we see in Samuel's life. He tests us, he tests Samuel to reveal what's inside Samuel. We, uh, we see the little guy walking around. We don't know um, of his devotion to the Lord until he's put to the test. And the Lord tried him and found him to be, uh, to be devoted to him. We use the illustration oftentimes of the uh, assay office uh, back in the um, mid-1800s here in California, you'd take your gold, your, the diggings from your, uh, your mine, and you'd bring them to the assayer's office, and the uh, assayer would tell you if it was really gold. And that's what the Lord was doing here. He was uh, testing, testing his servant to, um, to show Samuel and to show Israel what was inside this fellow, uh, what he was made of. But there's another reason for tests, and that is to prepare us for other tests. And we will see this in the life of Samuel um, soon. Both were true for Samuel, to show who Samuel was and to prepare him for uh, tests in the future. Samuel started well. We could entitle our study this morning, Starting Well. The Lord was um, intent on preserving his testimony in a dark nation. And so he called Samuel. The Lord sustained this life in the midst of a, a very harsh environment. Samuel flourished. He grew. He was, uh, he was satisfied with the Lord and with his word. He didn't need HBO or MTV. He was... Um, uh, satisfied with with the Lord and uh, and he was tested and found devoted to the Lord each of us may have limitations bad circumstances for not following the Lord but the Lord wants each of us to start well let's pray Thank you for your being with us this morning, Lord, for showing us truths from the life of this young boy, Samuel. Uh, they come right home for us uh, as we see his faithfulness to you, his loyalty, his devotedness in the midst of um, very bad circumstances. We pray, Lord, that um, to the extent that we have excused ourselves from your service because of our environment, that we might 
follow the example of this young boy and uh, ourselves commit our, our lives to you and serve you during the days that remain. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.